Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to watch more analysis of the stocks in this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the market report videos under the Learning Center. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to this week's Australian Stock Market Report. Now, this week we're going to look at where you can get the best bang for the buck when looking to invest. Then we'll get into the market so I can share with you my thoughts on the Australian stock market, where it's heading, along with answering all of your questions and looking at stocks for you. I'm Dale Gillan, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Now, before we move on, thank you for showing your support for our channel and hitting that subscribe button. Remember, as you subscribe, click the bell on the right of it so you keep up to date with our latest videos. Also, tune in to our live Australian stock market show every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Time. Now, this is the show where you get to ask Ask the Stock Market Education and Trading Experts to look at your favorite stocks and answer all of your most burning questions. Now, when looking to grow an investment portfolio, I often find investors blindly follow the herd looking for the best bank for their buck. But I also find that investors are focused on income rather than capital growth from their investments. But smart investing is about the total return you receive. Now, many are asking in the current COVID-19 environment where they should be investing. And in my opinion, the answer is simple. As the renowned Warren Buffett famously states, buy in doom and sell in boom. Traditionally, investors turn to property as their preferred investment, but when looking at recent research, depending on the area you want to invest in, property prices are forecast to be flat or down. Furthermore, in this low interest rate environment and uncertain recessionary market, property prices may be subdued for quite some time. So is this the right time to be buying property or should you stay away? To understand where and when you should be investing, I always recommend investors consider the investment clock or what is known as the economic clock. Now, I say this because smart investors diversify their investments across several asset classes, including property and shares amongst other investments. Now, the idea is to look for opportunities in asset classes that are underperforming and likely to move with the next phase of the economic clock. Now, in short, you are looking to buy just before the asset begins to rise, not after it has already risen. Sadly, too many investors are indecisive when it comes to investing and jump from one investment to another, hoping to get into the next best thing after it's already risen strongly. Right now, the investment clock has ticked well past property as an asset class and therefore now is the time to start looking at gaining exposure into this area. Now, in regards to the share market, many sectors have been underperforming for quite some time that may present some great buying opportunities for the astute investor. 
Remember, understanding when the right time to enter an asset class is very important as you want to gain a solid return from both income and capital gains. That said, what is even more critical is knowing the right time to exit. In my experience, investors tend to hang on to poor performing asset classes or hang on way too long in the hope that they will perform better. As Buffett states, sell in boom and buy in doom, which means to buy when assets are priced low and sell when they're high because this way you'll avoid the ugly roller coaster ride that the majority of investors endure. So what were the best and worst performing sectors last week in our market? Well, in contrast to last week, the All Ordinaries Index was slightly bullish and as such, nearly all sectors were in the green. Last week's worst sector, Energy, led the way last week and was up 4.9%. It was closely followed by Materials up 4.42%, with BHP and S32 rising strongly together with a number of other miners. They were followed by information technology sector, which was up 2.29% last week. Now, the worst performing sectors included financials, which was just in the red down 0.88%, followed by industrials and consumer staples, both of which were up by around half a percent last week. Looking at the ASX top 100 stocks, the best performers last week included Incitec Pivot up over 15%, followed by Ampol up over 10%, with the Star Entertainment Group and Santos both up over 8% last week. The worst performers included ResMed, which ended the week down over 11%. Next was Centre Group, which was down 5.88%, followed by NAB, which was down 3.96%. AMP and Bendigo Adelaide Bank were also down over 3% last week. So what do I expect in the market moving forward? Well, let's get into the charts for our S&P 500 All Ordinaries Index update for this week. We'll also answer your questions and look at the stocks you've chosen for me. Well, in a surprise to me last week, our market traded higher, as I mentioned a little bit earlier in the report. So let's get into the charts and see what might happen over the coming weeks, because it does look like it may be a little bit more bullish, a little bit longer than what I thought. So on your screen is the same chart that I had up last week. And you remember my arrows here where I thought we'd probably this week here and last week there, I thought we'd probably be doing this one where it slowly, gently folds right down into that sort of 5,600 possibly down to 5,300 and it was less probable that it was going to rise up through here. But given last week's bar, if we look at that, it opened uh, where my pointer is, if I can get the data up, opened at 6,058, closed at 6,144 with a 196 point range. More importantly, the close wasn't too far off the high. The high was 6,188 and the close was 6,144. So 44 points off the high, so not too much, but it'd be interesting to see what happens this week and so if we start seeing a downward move earlier in the week this would be contrary to what we've seen in the past few weeks where it's traded up and then come back down in the end of the week but uh, it really would be interesting for me if it does move up through here and especially if it moves through that 6,200 point mark because it really has struggled to get through that 6,200 point mark and stay high and if we look at this chart here you'll see what I mean if I look over that so here's this area here it has not closed above this or opened above this 6196 area so it is providing a lot of resistance at the moment so to get above this area it would be a good sign and specifically to getting above that 6272 points might mean there's still a few more weeks left in this run so if I go back to my little chart here we know we're going to have a low in that in the third quarter 
possibly into the fourth quarter. So somewhere around September, October, possibly November, but probably more likely September, October, we'll probably have our low. But uh, so this could be the last run up. If it is, it'll be short and sharp. It might be a couple of weeks straight up and that'll get people excited saying, hey, the market's bullish. Uh, but then I would expect if it does do that, it'll turn over and fall, fall away into September. As I said, more uh, September, maybe October there. But if we do see a down bar this week and it starts to move over, because even though this is... Um, it closed higher than it opened. It's technically a down bar because the low, 5992.4, was lower than the preceding bar here. So you can see there, 6023. So it's still technically a down bar. So this is the things I'm looking at here where it, over, because it closed higher, I'm, I'm a little bit more bullish to see what might happen. But it's still possible that this scenario is on the cards and we will see a downward move. So if this week is down, uh, then we definitely will be going down to that 5,000 sort of 600 point mark over the coming months or over the coming one to two months. That's what my preference is because I would rather that and have a nice gentle move down that helps people to be able to exit slowly and, and orderly and manage their portfolio a little bit better. If we do see a run up and it's short and fast, what will happen is people will start jumping in thinking the bull run's going again uh, and they'll start jumping in only to buy at the peak before it tips over. And, and, you know, the thing is with Buffett, as I mentioned, it says buy and doom, selling, boom. And right now, if it's booming, it's the time to start looking at selling if it is booming. And the market has, in theory, sort of boomed since March. But uh, it is interesting time right now. I did think we would know for sure this week and or last week and this week whether the market was in, definitely falling into that September low, maybe October low. But uh, again, I'm still 61, 60, 40 at the moment. Um, right now, we'll see what happens uh, if it does move up. We could be a bit more bullish for a couple more weeks before it starts to fall away. But anyway, take care out there. Now's not the time to go gung-ho into the market. That's really my advice. But let's get into the questions that we have from you this week. And the first question we have today is from, I think you said, Demos Viking. Um, do you think FMG is overpriced right now? It just keeps going up. And that's, what's, that's what FMG has been doing for quite a while, actually. FMG is one of those volatile stocks. I mean, obviously, BHP and Rio are the big ones in that sector, but FMG tends to be one that does very, very well very quickly. Uh, and that's why a lot of people jump onto it. But let's go and have a look at the chart. And you can see here um, on the left of the screen, that monthly chart, you can see how fast it's risen over the past few months. And if I put my little... Um, uh, where is it? My little tool. You can see there from that March low up to the close, there's 120%. So it's risen really, really, really fast. Uh, and looking at the old time, look, let me go through here and I'll scrunch it up a little bit and so we can actually see. You can see how volatile this stock is. It runs up, it gets hits hit heavy, and then it runs up pretty fast. So yeah, I think it is a little bit overpriced at this point in time. And I think if you look at this, it's much more reticent of this sort of period here before it fell away very, very heavily um, in 2008, before it fell very, very heavily down into that GFC type of low. But it had a low in November 2008, remember? Uh, we're looking at there. But I think that's possibly going to happen. FNG will start to fall over. It, it really does depend on China. It does depend on the rest of the world. Obviously, the iron ore that Fortescue does mine is not as high quality as BHP's and Rio's. So 
But uh, at this point in time, if the question is, is is it overvalued? I think it probably is. But the question is more of, do you own it or do you not own it? If you do own it, then there's no reason for you to be exiting the stock. You just hang on for a bit, have an exit strategy on that. And once you've got your exit strategy, uh, then you can protect your, your capital should it start to fall away. The other question is, if you don't own it now, should you be buying? And the answer is no, you shouldn't be buying it right now because it is going quite vertical. It may go up a little bit more um, and I'd need to do some work on to tell you how much it would work, uh, how much it would go up from this point in time. But again, just sit back if you're not in it, find another stock, find one that's a little bit better from that. If you are in it, uh, hang tight until it tells you to get out of it. But thank you very much for the question. Now, the next question I've got is actually not a question, but more of a, a comment from Robert Lee. Um, that I thought I would address because he made a post on uh, on my last week's um, um, video that we did. And he actually said if CBA wasn't privatised, it would be bankrupt today. Yes, if telecom wasn't privatised, would it be bankrupt today? Yes, therefore it was better to have privatised them. And, and I really wanted to answer that question. Well, it's not really a question, as I said, it's more of a comment. And the answer is absolutely they wouldn't be bankrupt because anything owned by the government doesn't go bankrupt because it's not about making a profit. So Combank, um, when it, before it was floated, it was a government bank and the government's there to support it and provide a service. It's not going to go broke. And the, the, probably the, the easy one, the example of this is Australia Post right now. Australia Post don't make money from sending envelopes. They just don't. They lose a lot of money from sending your mail around. They do make money from their, their um, courier division for the parcel deliveries, those sorts of things. But from sending envelopes, they don't because it's a government service. So regardless of whether it's Telstra or whether it's a, a port or an energy company, those sorts of things, the government is there to provide that service. And to me, that you missed the point. Um, of my comments. It's basically if we keep selling off Australia to overseas, what do we actually own and what value are we creating? Surely Australians should own Australia and, and when you've got important companies, to me, anything that's essential service should be owned by Australians. So, in, and to me, banks are an essential service. We should have at least one government bank because end of the day, what happens is prices rise and the amount of price rises we've seen in the banking industry since Commonwealth Bank was privatised and all the state banks got basically gobbled up is phenomenal, the amount of the increases in fees that we're actually paying. Commonwealth Bank makes a billion dollars plus a year. So you know how much the fees have gone up. Our telecommunications, we pay more for telecommunications than most other Western countries. So you can tell how much we're paying for that. Our energy bills are higher now that we've privatised all of that. So again, anything government doesn't go broke because the government just keeps supporting it. So, But thanks for posting anyway because it does create a good... Um, discussion. I know a few other people uh, entered into that discussion, but don't stop posting. But thank you very much for that. Next, we've got a question, I think, from Jay Antha. He says, Hi, Dale. I've got both your books. Started reading the second one. I have Medibank or MPL shares bought with the public offering. My understanding is it's not a uh, growth thinking, selling, oh, sorry, not growth, thinking of selling. What is your thoughts? Kind regards, Jay. So he's got uh, Medibank and he's thinking of selling. So let's go and have a look at Medibank. I'll just put my glasses on so I can actually see what I'm doing. It's a bit cold here in Melbourne, so my mouth is not working that well. Look at Medibank Private at the moment is obviously it's been trending right down here. Now looking on the left-hand side of the screen, you can see that high back in July 2019 and it's down quite a bit here. Now obviously from reading my book, 
you'll know that uh, there are, you should be having a stop loss on it. So currently it's down about 24% after being down a lot more into March this year. So it is looking um, relatively sick. It does look like it's probably going to fall away, but it's quite a volatile stock. You can see that. So holding it since the float, you really haven't made much in the last five years on this stock other than possibly some, getting some dividends. Right now we've had a couple of months up. That's a bearish month there last month in July. So far, August is not looking that fantastic. If we go back to that weekly chart, look, I don't, you need to have a stop loss on it. And I think right now all I can see is a little bit more downside. But again, it's up to you what you're doing, Jay. It, it, you need to have exit strategies on your stock. I can see a couple here already um, from what I teach my traders to do that could have exited this stock over the last month. But again, you need to have the rules that you set for yourself and manage those from yourself. But, you know, you would have thought it would have been a good stock to buy on a float from a government. But hey, but a lot of floats, a lot of people don't realise with um, floats, about 50% of them, the statistics are 50% of them you can buy cheaper in that first 12 months after the float than what the float price price was uh, and that's the standard statistics that we see and I've seen that year after year after year after year for multiple decades that I've been helping uh, people invest and trade in the market so let me get to the next question now it's from Minnie Moss who says hey Dale just ordered your second book after finishing the first one thank you very much for that would love to hear your thoughts on EML payments at the moment and if you and if it is a buy at around three dollars um, I'm not going to tell you to buy I don't tell people to buy or sell on this thing so you need to have rules around that yourself you need to understand why you're buying and selling yourself rather than having somebody else tell you but let's have a look at the chart here if I bring that up so EML payment system um, right now it looks bearish to me I don't think it looks super super strong um, why you would have picked three dollars I don't know because obviously at the moment um, it closed at three dollars and nine so I'm not sure exactly why you picked that price um, but at this stage it looks like it's going down how much further I'm not sure but it could go even lower could go down to, into that to below 260 ish um, from that point but don't buy things that are falling away and that's one of the biggest things a lot of people do they try and pick things that have fallen away and whilst they're falling away but again we call that catching falling knives always buy things that are rising or don't buy things that are falling it just makes sense from that point of view but uh, at this point in time as I said my thing is I wouldn't be getting into it with my money now the next question we have is from Steve who says hi Dale love the show I'm thinking of investing in ALX for a long-term hold I'm thinking that the governments may invest in new infrastructure as new stimulus packages come out later please share your thoughts um, a lot of people have that thought about stimulus packages and, and the government doing those there's been a lot of stimulus packages at the moment they're worried about in unemployed people they're worried about small businesses etc they're not worried necessarily about growing the economy now which is more about um, infrastructure projects etc getting a lot more people employed once they get COVID out of the road and everything's stable then we might look at the, the infrastructure packages or they might go and look at infrastructure packages. but do they have money to do that that's the other question and what infrastructure packages do we need to do but good question uh, but let's look at ALX the share which is one you asked me about um, right now it did boom in for a couple of months there with the GFC 
uh, sorry, not the GFC, with the coronavirus load. For, for a lot of people thinking exactly the same thing as you, but it really hasn't pushed through here the last few months, and we can see that again. This thing is looking uh, more bit more bearish last week, clo closing lower. So we might see it start to fall away. If it does fall away, you know, we could see it start falling down to around sort of that 540 area, maybe even below that. But right now, unless it was moving through that sort of $7 area, I would be looking at getting into this stock at this point in time. Um, uh, but keep watching it. That's what I uh, would suggest you do. Now, the last question we got is from Glasgow Celtic, who says, Hi, Dale, I've got both your books and I've got, got your book and read it once in one sitting. Well done. Thanks. Need to read it again slowly with a pen and paper to get my strategies in place. Yes, you probably do. Currently just setting myself up in cash at the moment until I'm ready to make a move. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts on RFF or Rural Funds Group, please. I've got a relatively small position in the stock, probably um, due to large or large drop back in August 2019 when they were hit with a short seller article. Yeah, that happens sometimes, doesn't it? But they appear to be moving up slowly and the dividends are quite nice. Please note this was prior to me buying your book. Hopefully um, I didn't make a bad choice. Now, let's have a look. If you did the best you could at the time, then that's fine. I don't have an issue with that right now. I do like the stock. It looks good. It's starting to move up. You can see there on the left, it's beautifully moving up nicely. It's a nice sort of sustainable rise. I don't have an issue with this, mate. I really don't. I think your small holding looks good. Um, I think if it gets through this sort of close, starts closing above the this 29210 area um, and I think there's more upside on it but right now I think it's a really really good choice for you um, for your portfolio now you've only got a small position in that and that's we find some people do that they have a lot of positions but a lot of small ones so when one moves it really doesn't affect the portfolio but you're not wrong to be in cash at this point in time while you're learning and uh, get some rules read the book slowly get your pen out start writing some rules around finding some stocks to look at for yourself to, the, to put in your portfolio when the time is right but fantastic and thank you for the questions but thanks for everybody for sending your questions in and thanks for watching until the end of the video now if you do have a question for me that you'd like me to answer just stick them below in the chat box um, so I'm happy to answer those questions for you remember that here on this channel we do these Monday market reports every week and also we do a live stream every Tuesday night 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern time so please let get on that and we'll see you tomorrow night um, remember hit the subscribe button now and click the bell on the right of it so you know when we go live with some new videos. I'm Dale Gillum. Sorry, I can't even say my name. I'm Dale Gillum. Goodbye, good luck and good trading. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.